Welcome to the Fanalytics Podcast with Mike Lewis and Doug Battle. Doug, this is really a podcast about Taylor Swift and whoever gets in her way. So, latest thing, I mean, she's still killing it. I, I Let's make our predictions on how long the relationship lasts. I think she can do better than, than Kelsey. There's a hot take, Who, right? Who's better than Kelsey? Mannings are all taken. <laughs> okay, so the Swifts, the Swifties are mad at artificial turf. And, and again, the beautiful thing is, right, it's like fans are willing to figuratively throw hands, right? Yeah. And, and so Scooter Braun, Ticketmaster, Artificial Turf, they're all in. They are truly – they're part of that team. I, I mean, I don't know, 12th man, what the analogy is to music – but they're 100% there. You know, again, how long this lasts past the movie on October 20th is an unknown. But it's still the... You know what? Let me... Before I let you react. Okay. The other part I love about this, the Taylor Swift situation, is the reaction from other fan bases. Like, was it the New York Giants fan base kind of booing Taylor Swift? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's too good. Also, I don't know if you saw, but the um, the Detroit Lions brought out, or they they flashed the camera over to Eminem in the box. <laughs> Same kind of thing. It's like they're, you know, it's like, oh, let's see if we can. Who do we got? But I mean, he's been doing that for years. That, that probably would have happened anyway. But every team's got to have their celebrity musician in the, in the hey, box now. Emery somehow ended up with Emery goes to school of business had Sean Penn at some seminar and they blasted that all over social media. People love celebrities now. They do. I mean, you, you go to Athens, you go to a game and like a lot of it's former players, but then they'll like show Ryan Seacrest up on the screen, Ludacris, like Kyle right? Chandler, ludicrous. It makes the event feel more important. <laughs> I mean, that's what they've been doing with Colorado football. Oh, to, to an incredible degree. But look, I'm going to applaud your New York Giants. And the New York Giants fandom, tough season, tough, tough season. season. But, you know, basically the anti-celebrity movement, right? Because they don't have one. The Giants are such a great team to root for because, Mike, I don't know if you know this, they don't have cheerleaders. They're the only team in the NFL that doesn't have cheerleaders. The Steelers never had. You tell me the Pittsburgh Steelers now have cheerleaders? I don't know. I thought the Giants were the only one. A lot of teams have cheerleaders. <laughs> now i got to look this up. But the Giants are very, like, no-nonsense, like, you know, it's all about football. We don't want any distractions. We don't want any gimmicks. cheerleaders out there on the frozen tundra. <laughs> okay. Okay. In 2023, the Bills, Bears, Browns, Packers, Chargers. That's not true. The Chargers have cheerleaders and they have male cheerleaders because I've been to a game. Giants and Steelers. Right? Pittsburgh Steelers were the first cheerleading squad in the NFL, Mike. Okay. Wait, was this but 19? They, they served from 1961 to 1969. R.I.P. Okay. You know what? <laughs> about those? There's a story there, by the way. Why? Why, why did they stop? I kind of think that the, the teams that don't have the cheerleaders tend to be outdoor stadium cold weather teams. Yeah, I think that's the trend we saw there. But the Giants, I know, like Coughlin when he was coach, like it was like they they don't want cheerleaders. They don't want any distractions. They want this to be about football. So yeah, the fans, the fans booing the Taylor Swift. I don't know, was it a song or something that? What, what I don't I, remember. What would they have? I mean, they, they cut were to her on the screen or something. They were booing Taylor Swift, right? I mean, that, that's yeah. what it was. Yeah, yeah, are sick of it. Also, they're yeah, they're they're sick of it. They're just they need something to be mad about. <laughs> they need they just need to let it out. 
it's been a tough decade or so for the G-men. But yeah, I mean, the artificial turf is kind of an interesting scandal. I don't know what else to call it. Like it's there's been football fans for years saying, "Hey, we need to change this cuz my favorite player got hurt and now there's, you know, now my team season's over all because they wanted the grass to look perfect and have easy maintenance." And every time a player gets hurt on artificial turf, like Aaron Rodgers, I believe that one was on artificial turf. You know, half the people are blaming the turf. You, you never really know. But if it were grass, you would at least you wouldn't say, oh, it's because it's grass. <laughs> but when it's turf, there's there's that question. And there's been no progress with the entire NFL, you know, every NFL and all their fandom and all their teams complaining about it every time something happens. And then you get the Swifties involved. And it's like, okay, this might actually bring progress. And if it does, I think the football fans and the Swifties are going to kind of join forces in a way where well, football that, fans will, will have to, you know, thank them for their for their help. I mean, my sense is that the the direction of movement is actually going the opposite way. I mean, it, it's I see very relatively few, you know, high school fields that aren't turf at this point. Yeah, or, yeah, or like you know. Recently, you know, down the street, they put in a, they they took out the the football field, the grass football field, and they put in a turf lacrosse field. Right. So it seems like it's all it's it's, it's still headed one way. So I don't know. The, the the Swifties may be unbeatable, but do they have the staying power? Well, Will they stay. I, I'm just saying, if they can get this, if they can institute change here for football yeah. for professional football. That will just be telling as to the power of of number power in numbers with with that group, a group of people uh, who know nothing about football, making a change that football fans have wanted for close to a decade. I guess passion, right? Numbers and passion. Yeah, I like seeing the jerseys now that they have, and I'm sure you'll start seeing those at concerts now. <laughs> I don't know. It's a interesting group. I think that. The Chiefs, I don't know how they feel about it. Like, do they welcome it or are they? I would be kind of annoyed, honestly. The Chiefs fan? Yeah. I would be completely annoyed by it. I mean, but, you know, I'm old school and I want. Okay, so where do you want your Chiefs fans to come from? Do you want it to be kids that are going in the backyard and pretending to be Mahomes throwing it yes, to 100%. Kelsey and growing up like that way for, you know, you know, 10 years and then, you know, getting into the stadium or do you want it to be fans that are just like scanning the boxes, trying to find where Taylor is in the stadium. Right. I mean, clearly one is a core fan and the other is an entertainment fan that has football as an option. Yeah. I'm loving the videos on all over social media of guys like videoing their girlfriends, watching the Chiefs games and getting all excited when they pan to the press box and pretty much having the opposite experience of everyone else where they feel like they're not showing her enough. They're really interested in her outfits and who, who she's with and how cute it is that she's happy for him when he does well and, and vice versa. It's They're having a completely opposite experience of everyone else that watches football. Well, and, you know, and, and again, this is kind of the, I don't think anyone's really talking a lot about this, but, you know, it's the same thing as Colorado now, right? Where The Rock is showing up for Colorado. I mean, the Taylor Swift thing, I will admit that my 
look, this media stuff is fun, right? And that's that's partially why they love it, right? It's like this is just this is just fun. But when she showed up with Blake Lively and Deadpool in Wolverine, I like that you don't know their names and just call them. That's true. No, I do. It's Hugh Jackman and and, and, okay, and Deadpool. And <laughs> Deadpool. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, uh, Rexham, but. You know, that that struck me as kind of too far. That it's like this is not this is not the Academy Awards. This is not the red carpet. This is something that belongs to the New York the long suffering New York Jets fans. And this is not you know, some of this comes in and it's fun, but if too much of it comes in, then suddenly we're looking at these people and you know, let's pay attention to the people that, that it, it's Hollywood stars that have everything in the world and they're taking over someone else's platform. Yeah, I think that's fair. Also, by the way, with Taylor, we talked last week about, you know, she has these trailers playing for her. That was what the Giants fans were booing the trailer for her movie coming up, which is a recreation of her concert, but in cinema. And I'll call it right now. I think Taylor, this is kind of a bold take because this is a <laughs> not a tested theory. Like we haven't, I guess we've seen like Bieber had his movie. Um, like there was a, a little showing for Billie Eilish's tour uh, in theaters, but we haven't seen at this scale a concert put into theaters. I think it might end up being box office number two for the year, just purely based on how many Swifties there are and how willing they are to shell out money and how dedicated they are. I think that it might be Barbie number one, which is basically Swifties, and then you know the Swift movie number two. I'm I'm very curious to see that, but I think she might hijack both the you know she has the music industry, she's somehow taken over the football industry at least or the sports industry, and I think she I think she has a nice market share for film later this year when that happens okay here's my dilemma and suddenly i'm not talking like an academic i'm not talking like a fan this is purely personal somehow i feel like i gotta go see this movie i'm going mike i mean i teach a course on fandom and all i can hope for and i again i I, look i i like i got a positive feeling for taylor swift but god i hope this movie is more like an hour and a half than three hours long Oh, it's going to be three hours and it's going to, and you're going to have people in the theater singing songs. You're not even going to be able to hear her singing because the, the people you're sitting next to are. Well, Doug, I'm Mike, sit can down. you please this time? Cause I know when you went to Barbie, you said, when you went to Barbie, you said you were so uncomfortable. I really need you to document yourself, document yourself walking in, sitting down, pan the audience, you know, see what, what the demographic is. We need that content, Mike. Okay. We need to see Mike Lewis in his the opposite of his comfort zone. I will. The Taylor will, Swift uh, movie in theaters. Yeah, I don't feel like it's going to be quite as bad as Barbie, but it might actually be worse, right? I mean, Barbie, they were all dressed in pink. Right. Well, this, this they're going to have friendship bracelets, Mike. I mean, do you have one? Do we need to get you a kit? Can we make friendship analytics friendship bracelets? More good content again. Uh, no. I mean, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Mike, I like. we've been friends for what three years. We don't have any kind of bracelets. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know how to. I don't know how to do this, Doug. <laughs> um, it's kind of an arts and crafts thing. I think. I think you do it before are there, the. Are there kits on Amazon. See, if we've got Swift fans learning like football traditions, I think as football fans we should learn the Swift traditions. 
man, Doug, I, I teach a class that started out as being sports marketing and really morphed to being about fa- all things fandom. I have to see this movie. And well, I, I'm not going to lie, Mike, even if I didn't do this, I would still be going like it's I'm one that I like to be engaged with the things that I like to at least have an opinion, whether it's good or bad on like the big things. And so I'm like, this is one where like I will be there. I will see it. I might be blown away. I might be like, holy cow, what a show. Like, I would have loved to see that in person. Or I might be like, this is silly. She's not that talented. Everyone, you know, it's the key with no clothes. I I think she is that. (laughs) What, the second? (laughs) No, this whole issue of, you know, look, fandom in music. Okay, so we're going to take a, we're going to go on a detour here for a second. (laughs) Okay, so I try and keep on top of popular culture. You know, if, you know, I'll go see the Barbie movie. I've watched, you know, anime. I watched Wednesday, the the Adams Family reboot. The one aspect of popular culture, look, I'll I'll go to a WNBA game. You know, I will. I, I I'm full. I'm with you. I'm fully in, engaged. But the aspect, I'll watch comedians, like the new, the hot new comedian. Sure. But the one that I really do struggle with is music. In terms of, and look, I've got this, I, I, I've actually wanted to put this together for a while in terms of a lecture of thinking if I could sample like 15 seconds of the number one song, let's say from every five years from like 1960 to set to 70 to 75, et cetera, et cetera. Like something AI could do pretty easily. Well, I was thinking of something a TA could do, but that's a generation. <laughs> Same thing, Mike. <laughs> TA was the original AI. And it would be stunning how, you know, the number one song in 1975 seems completely foreign, like from a different planet than the number one song in 2015 or 2020. And it, it brings me to that that thinking of that music, maybe more so than some other art forms, is really just about exposure and whatever you put in front of people, they will listen to it, right? If Megan the Stallion is the big artist, then you know what? Kids will blare it out there, you know, on their car stereos. And you you go back uh, more than a generation and the Carpenters are being played on, you know, car stereos. Couldn't be more different, but I, I find it tough to update to, let, I find it tough, Doug, to put in the effort to figure out what Ice Spice is singing that merits her now being in the Dunkin' Donuts commercials with Benafla. I think I'll, get, I'll like sh- shed some light, like an example on what you're saying. I feel like it's these brands and music that people are going to listen to them no matter what their songs are. And then the smart play for everyone else becomes to become a part of the puzzle for that brand. So for example, my one of my favorite like producer, engineer, artists, like do it all, like multi-talented guys, name's John Bellion. Dude is unreal talent. Seen him live, unreal performer. But he's not one of those brands. He's not Justin Bieber. He's not the Jonas Brothers. He's not one of those like he wasn't made by Disney. He wasn't made, you know, he's he's not a household name. And what he does is he writes and produces songs he probably records himself doing the song and then he gets justin bieber to hop on it and just uses it he did bieber's whole last album pretty much he did the jonas brothers whole last album pretty much 
he did. I mean, he he goes and finds, and, and it's it's like he makes more money making their hits than if it was his hit because he could easily record himself singing it and put it out into the world. Same song, nobody's listening. But when it's Justin Bieber, or not nobody, he has a fan base, but it's it's a different tier of fan base. And I think financially, the incent- you're more incentivized to just contribute to a Bieber project than to do your own project. And so, and we've seen that forever with like country music. Um, well, and let me add to this conversation. Yeah. Because I think you're right. And the value of contributing to a Bieber project is again, it's this idea of art or fandom being something that unifies. Yeah. I, I've already forgotten the gentleman's name, but you know, within a certain age group, I, I assume if you go in and you start talking about Justin Bieber, you're part of the group. You're part of the you're part of the community. Yeah, and, and it's you know, music it ends up being, and maybe because it's it's targeted to sort of a younger gener, gener, generation, that it does end up being almost more about you, you got to know what everyone else is listening to more so than maybe you know being something you know value and being something something different. Yeah, and I think the huge challenge like in that industry is breaking through and becoming one of those names, one of those faces like Taylor Swift when she was a teenager, you know, it was kind of caught lightning in a bottle like Olivia Rodrigo did more recently, of course Justin Bieber when he was very young. You know, a handful of Rod. Say what? Do they call her O-Rod? No. No one calls her that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they should, but <laughs> yeah, but it, but she she kind of caught that same magic and but breaking through and and becoming one of those people like unless unless you catch lightning in a bottle like that, you're better off like you'd rather have ten percent of like a billion dollars than a hundred percent of like fifty grand, <laughs> you know, like that's that's the music industry for a lot of artists or, or that become songwriters, producers, all that. Okay. Good detour. Detour. Major detour. Major detour. Okay. Joe Burrow. Starting to come alive on on the field. Uh, I thought you were going to say he's a guy that's like a step. Like we were talking about Kelsey. She could do better. Joe Burrow. A hundred percent. That would be magic. (laughs) That would be magic. I think he's probably. (laughs) <laughs> Oddly, he's probably young for her, right? No, he is. He is. Yeah. Okay. But he, he is now, older than people realize. He was kind of like a Stetson Bennett. Like he was in college for forever. So Yeah. But he's not Taylor's in his 30s, got but. Taylor's gotta be in her thirties, right? Yeah, she is. Okay. She is. Yeah. Okay, so Joe Burrow, and I wanna get this right. I wanna look it up what what is actually said during the Okay, during the Kroger ad. Okay, so Joe Burrow has an amazing personality and all sorts of marketing potential, but I don't think it's really manifested itself yet. Now he appeared in a was that would you call that a sweatshirt? But it's almost more like a quilt. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm talking He's about. He's got some like R- Russell Westbrook fashion choices sometimes. Yeah, he he does. Cam Newton maybe. He's also he's bad in the Kroger commercial. You know, this, and again, what was it, regular Joe or average Joe? And my observation was it reminded me of the stuff with, with Gronk. You know, <laughs> Joe Burrow has had a rough early season, but all indications are that he is going to be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time by the time it's all said and done. If he stays healthy. If he yeah. stays healthy. He's got an amazing personality, 
But I think if I'm giving marketing advice to Joe Burrow's people, it's that if he's going to do endorsements and sponsorships, they need to build it around his personality rather than try and get him to to become an actor. I mean, look, even if you go back to early days of Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers is magical on the microphone, right? And we'll talk about that in a second. (laughs) You go back to the early days, like there's an episode of The Office where Aaron Rodgers is, you know, they're pretending to be on a panel for something like America's America's Next Idol or whatever. And he's kind of stiff. You you know, you fast forward. an episode of The Office? An an episode of The Office where Andy Bernard is trying to leave The Office to become a, you know, a singer-actor personality. And Aaron Rodgers is one of the judges with, like, Clay Aiken. But he's kind of he's kind of stiff. But then you look at his body of work with the the State Farm commercials, Jeopardy, the Pat McAfee show, and how and now he is very good. Like the game has slowed down, and he is incredibly now talented on the on the microphone. That's funny. And so with with Joe Burrow, you can't get the guy to read lines because then you end up in a situation like the Gronk where they just they want to turn him into a character that he's not. I think the Gronk, they want him to be football shack. Like this dumb Yeah. Like he's so dumb that it's like funny in a very cartoony way. Shaq doesn't come across as dumb to me though. But Gronk life, but they they position him that way often. And uh like on TNT. Yeah, but it's delightful. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But, you know, again, it was like the first press conference of the year, I think, where we started to see sort of the magic of Joe Burrow coming through. Again, tons of marketing potential. But, you know, the Burrow camp has got to be the ones driving the creative control on what the endorsements look like. Yeah, I think so. Also with Burrow on the field, I will bet on that dude. Like, I guess I watched him pick my favorite team apart two different times in person. And, like, I will bet, like – it could be eight weeks into the season and he could still be like yet to have thrown a touchdown. I will trade for him in fantasy. Like I will pick him up off waivers, whatever it is. Like I believe in that guy and like he's just got it feels like the the ending is already written. It's just a matter of when, you know, he wins Super Bowls and is is one of those great quarterbacks. I know it's been a rough start to the season this year, so it'll be interesting to follow as the Bengals got a little momentum, got Joe Burrow going this week, and you know got some of that mo mojo back. No pun intended. So we'll see what happens. But it, it's like he is starting to get. It's oddly when he was like in the Super Bowl and tearing it up, he was not used as a marketing asset. Like you were seeing Baker Mayfield in commercials, and he was horrible, and, and Joe Burrow was not in them. And now that Joe's starting to have some limelight, you know, on the field performance has not been what you would hope if you're a, a fan of the Bengals. Yeah, but again, uh, you know, I, I'm with you. There's something about, and we talked, we texted a little bit about this. There's something about Joe Burrow that feels like Alabama. And inevitable. that's just no, inevitable. Yeah. This, this guy is not going to, I mean, I'm looking at the passing statistics and he's he started to already climb up a little bit to sort of being middle of the pack on a lot of the, on a lot of, See, on a lot of, I'm saying with with fantasy, to me, it's a regression to the mean. It's like, okay, if he had like a horrible first three weeks, like it's just a matter of time. I trade for him right now, you know, before he's a top three guy. That's just always been my approach. Regression to the no, mean. I, yeah, and and you know, buy real simple stuff, right? Buy on the dip, right? Yeah. This is the Joe Burrow dip. 
Yeah. And it's, I think it's foolish to think that the Bengals aren't going to at least be in contention for a, you know, wild card or, or if not winning that division. And he's going to throw his, you know, 20 plus touchdowns and he's going to have less than 10 interceptions and, you know, it's all going to work out. Yeah, I think so. I, I almost envy that in, inevitability as a Giants fan because we have this opposite inevitability of you go out, you draft the first round pick, a you know, lineman a couple years, bring in a big tight end, you make some coaching changes, get all excited, and it's like it doesn't matter what we do. We're, we're not going to be able to protect the quarterback, and it's going to be a mess. Okay, so what you know, we're kind of at the – to me, we're at the point of the NFL season where – my focus is not on the standings, Doug. It's more on the the stories and the, the narratives, right. which ends up almost sort of feeling a little bit a little bit random. You know, Joe Burrow climbing climbing the charts. I'll tell you one that I've already started to get annoyed by, and there's no reason for this. Did you know that all of the the ten fastest players in the NFL all play for the Miami Dolphins? You know, it reminds me of, you know, some of the talking points we talked about, like one of your beloved Georgia teams of they got a linebacker who, you know, was going to work for NASA and they got this giant guy on the defensive line. They have and, they have like three talking points and they, yeah. they do not do any research beyond that. Yeah. Stetson, did you know it, Stetson Bennett walked on at Georgia? Yeah. Twice. <laughs> right. And with the Dolphins, you know, to me, the story should kind of be Tua, who... With and again, that most one of the most uncomfortable moments of all time watching him on the field on the ground. Yeah, and now it's all about well, this guy hit a top speed of twenty one point eight miles per hour, and this one is at twenty two point zero. Now they did give us a, they did give us a very nice video this week of, <laughs> of Tyreek trying to give the ball to his mom and a guy taking the ball and Tyreek's mom. My favorite part was. She was she was ticked off, she right? Was not, she was not having it. And then she got the ball, and she was literally all good, all good. Yeah, yeah. It's like she was going to protect it, like you know, like <laughs> like someone's trying to strip sack her. <laughs> um, yeah, that was really great. I think I would have liked to see if the fan had held on to it because you could see he wanted to. He wanted to hold on to the football and not give it to Tyreek's mom. And, and you could see them saying, the other fans saying, this is his mom. Like you can <laughs> read their lips and the video. And it, you can see him kind of die inside a little bit, realizing he's not going to take home this yeah. touchdown. I mean, that is like such a dream for a fan. And you could see him dying inside a little bit. But I kind of wanted to see him hold on and, and like watch her, you know, punch it out. Or watch the that other would, fans. I mean, that it was it was like if he had held on, something was going to happen. She wasn't letting that fly. If we had more video capability, <laughs> what nice would be like a, a top 10 countdown of fans dying inside when they realized <laughs> they just stole a, fall, a foul ball from a little girl. Right. <laughs> and now you got to give it back. Yeah. Oh, speaking of, speaking of, I mean, this is a, a good segue here. My fandom moment of the week. Fan of the week, I guess. Really two fans of the week. Two gentlemen. I have no idea what game it is at a football game. Arguing, yelling, pointing fingers. Very hostile toward what you would imagine as, you know, they must be arguing with some drunk guy that's, you know, had one too many or maybe three too many and has been yelling racial slurs at them or something. Because these guys are furious and they're pointing fingers. 
And then the camera pans over and it's like an eight year old boy. <laughs> and I think he was doing the score with his fingers, like just showing them, you know, like five to zero. Uh, what a legend. What a legend. Yeah. Have you seen Yeah, that was. Yeah, the beautiful piece of video. Like flexing on these grown men who are screaming at him. And he's just like, hey. Have you, it reminded me, and I, I, maybe I can't do it justice, and I definitely don't know the name of the team. But if you go in and you search, just Google, kid sports fan giving the finger, there's one <laughs> up. And it's like a, you know, it's like a six or seven year old little blonde haired kid yeah. giving the finger. And it's, you know, that should be the, you know, make that the cover art for this episode. But yeah, yeah. yeah. But what's great about it is I didn't realize where this was from. And and so I started digging into this for something I'm preparing for a classroom exercise. And it's it's from European soccer. Yeah. But they've also now photoshopped, you know, the New England Patriot logo on it. So people have taken that for their own. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's a meme, I guess. Yeah, um, so if they can pull the right video from that kid or the right GIF or GIF, however you say that, that kid may live on the live on on the internet for for decades to come because he was that kid was that good. Yeah, this kid, this kid at the at the football match, he, I don't know what impressed me more, the guts poise. and his poise, poise. yeah, of <laughs> of just like I mean, he was not phased an ounce like he was and you guys if you don't follow us on social media i'll post this video this week but he was not phased an ounce but what's also equally impressive from a fandom standpoint is these two other guys these grown men who are delusional enough delusionally passionate enough about their team that they look fully convinced that they're in the right yelling at this kid (laughs) and that this kid is being unreasonable and offensive to them and it's their job to to point fingers at him and yell at him from across the. And I don't know who the kid's parents are, but like, if that's my little man, like, we're getting some ice cream afterwards because that was a heck of a performance. I mean, he's if you're like UGA Spike Squad, you know, one of these like fandom groups on campus, you got to start recruiting. He's you know, in like college football, they started offering kids like in the eighth grade because they show signs of you know this kid's going to be a number one pick one day. This kid from a, I mean, he's future number one pick for fans. You know, he's, oh, he's, Spike Squad's got to like send him a recruitment letter immediately. Well, and again, whatever team that is, got news for you. That kid's rooting for you when he's 90 years old, right? He's, he's one of those stories. <laughs> oh, yeah. Of 100%. The season ticket, he had season tickets for 67 years yeah. before he. <laughs> yeah. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was the only sports fandom I've seen that has come close to Taylor Swift fandom in a long time with the exception. I don't know if, if you have more NFL or not, but with the exception of the Texas Longhorns and Oklahoma Sooners, you know, just a few random comments, you know, you know, I've been fixated on this uh, quarterback class of uh, Trevor Lawrence and some other guys. And it definitely seems to be playing out as some other guys, uh, you know, Mac Jones seems to be really hitting hard times. Yeah. Uh, the, the current quarterback group, you know, we, we, you know, going going into the season, it's like you know, and again, sometimes I, I kind of regret doing this because it is too much of this kind of hot take mentality. C.J. Stroud seems to be kind of killing it for a relatively yeah. bad team, yeah. And the other guys look very kind of questionable. Bryce at Young, this yeah, Bryce Young's had a tough start. I mean, we could see it from the first preseason game that it was going to be a really bad situation for him. 
And I've never been a huge fan of him as a prospect. I always thought it was kind of strange that everyone just assumed he it's kind of like Markel Fultz in the NBA where there was never any question that anyone else could go number one but it's like why not you got other guys that are I mean Stroud was remarkable in in the playoffs last year and all season long really and and as more measurables and so it's not surprising to me but I mean across the board it seems like every quarterback class gets hyped up as you know there's going to be four guys that are going to be the faces of the league for the next 10 years and there might be one. There might be one that's in the mix. Except for what was the year with Rivers, Roethlisberger, and, and Eli, Eli Manning. But still, that's like they still probably hyped it up like they had Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Johnny Unitas and Joe Montana in the same class. Like, who was the fourth quarterback that year? You know, I don't know, but they probably hyped him up like he was equivalent to those guys. So the, the story, the hype bears out like once every decade or once every 15 years and like i think of andrew luck was the most sure bet quarterback in my life where it was like there was no doubt there was he would have gone number one the year before when the panthers had the number one pick and he stayed in college and so he he played a whole nother year and of course he was still going to go number one and it was like he kind of like how we talk about burrow it was like yeah just as long as this guy like exists he's going to win super bowls and He's taken over for Peyton Manning, so he's got a good franchise and a good group of players around him and stuff. And and that was one. It's like even when you have a surefire guy like that, you know, he's out of the league. And of course, for for different reasons, that it's not like he was a terrible player, um, but he's out of the league. And so these these draft classes rarely <laughs> live up to the hype. And uh, Justin Fields though gave his his supporters reason to be optimistic again. He's like he. Right when you want to write him off, he'll do he's something amazing. He's a drug. He's, right? he's I mean, a drug. Yeah, <laughs> there's something to it, right? It's like he 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 keeps reeling you. He keeps reeling him back in, right? I mean, but hey, yeah. if he hadn't had that game, if he hadn't had that game this week, Chicago Bears fans would be pulling for Demar Derozan to switch sports. I don't know if you saw that video, but Demar Derozan slinging it out there and, and making people question whether he's how tall is he. Probably 6'6". I don't know. Let me see. Sometimes when I see these kind of things, when I see athletes crossing sports, I just wish I was a six foot six guy. You know, it's got to be a whole different universe. Yeah, he's 6'6". I mean, he's DeRozan physically, like athletically and physically, he's that prototypical shooting guard. Michael Jordan was 6'6". Kobe Bryant, Vince Carter. Like there's, he's the prototype, you know, the mid-range game, not as much of a deep ball. He doesn't have those little Kenny Pickett hands, you know. <laughs> he was slinging it though, dude. I'm not gonna lie. There is part. Of, usually, I think it's overblown, like the hype. With he wasn't just throwing it far; he's throwing it accurate. And I'm like, man, I do kind of wonder. He's he's a player. I didn't know I would want to see him in a football jersey, but I would. I wouldn't mind if the NBA had like another lockdown year or whatever they called it when that happened, and then some of those guys just go out and play football. Make, I make think you know Chicago way. Bears fans would love to see that as well, just because at this point, why not? <laughs> yeah. Okay, last last bit of NFL news. I love the guy. Aaron Rodgers, Pat McAfee, Rodgers calling Travis Kelsey, <laughs> Mr. Pfizer. Mr. Pfizer. The, the look on McAfee's face where – He's cracking up, but he's also sort of calculating on the fly of going to going. Realizing, what do I do with this? He's realizing <laughs> you know? this might be the end. This yeah. Be- 
beautifully done. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers, you know, taking some, uh, making the most of his, his time off, doing a lot of work on social media, a lot of work on ESPN, a lot, and doing, you know, again, a controversial figure that, you know, and again, as soon as I say this, you know, he'll go too far and get blown up, <laughs> but really seems to be walking that line to the point where he appeals to people like me, but is not canceled. And that's a challenging one, Doug. <laughs> to appeal to Mike Lewis and not be canceled. <laughs> so, Eminem has this line where he says, I don't walk the line, I run it. And I think that's, I think Aaron Rodgers is in that territory of like, he's, he's running it. He, he He's the master of it. And I, I I'm kind of curious because, I've heard some speculation that Aaron Rodgers is going to play football this year. I don't believe that is possible. Uh, Everything but people are like, make, yeah, but the media looks like he's going to give it a shot. Right. What's funny is when you talk to people about it and, <laughs> and they defend that take and they'll yeah. say, and these are like otherwise rational people, <laughs> but they're sports fans. And they'll say, yeah, but Aaron Rodgers doesn't have the, modern he doesn't have a traditional medical approach so he's going to be back sooner it's like oh so you believe in like witchcraft or what like what is well he takes drugs and he does all kinds of crazy stuff so like surely they'll find a way to fix his achilles <laughs> so i mean i've heard that from a lot of people that like yeah most athletes it would take them longer but rogers doesn't abide by you know the the typical medical procedures and, and standards like he does some unorthodox stuff so it's like, yeah. okay, I, so they know how to, like, it seems like the medical people, if they knew how to get you back from an Achilles tear sooner, they'd probably be doing that with professional athletes. But I like it, though, because if it happens, it'll be like, hey, maybe he's like, knows more about medicine than medical professionals, apparently. He certainly well, thinks he I'll, does. I'll say that, like, I don't know what his relationship with Brady is, but God, they were two great brands. Yeah. You know, and hopefully they will continue to be great brands, you know, decades into the future. Okay, now, Doug, as a segue now to go from the NFL to college football. Okay, the Pat McAfee thing, I, I, in some ways, I, I wasn't buying the hype, right? It, it kind of struck me as kind of bro culture that, like, kind of sanitized bro culture, right? Kind of pulling it back from Which what almost doesn't work. It's like, it's like non explicit rap music, you know, where yeah. it's like part of the appeal is. Part like part of the appeal of bro culture is that there is no censorship. Essentially, like that's kind of the yeah. barstool sports thing. If you listen to any of their you're stuff, crossing, you're crossing some lines, right? And they've moved the line back. Yeah, but, but I'm going to tell you my favorite thing about college football this year. And again, I might be alone on this. Is Pat McAfee pulling kids out of crowds to try and kick a 30 yard field goal and you know, I think it was, maybe it wasn't even last week, but when they pulled the kid out, I think it was out of Duke and the kids like kicking the ball, you know, like five yards. Yeah. And then the ESPN guys start to jump all over him saying, you know what? I'll make it a million. <laughs> yeah. What? what? <laughs> That's brutal. It's not and that even hard, the, by the way. I've done it. And even the look, the first time he did it and the kid he pulled out was like, well, I've been playing soccer for 15 years. You know, he's he's really kind of growing on me and doing some solid he's stuff. He's growing on me, too. He's, like, so obnoxious that I'm, like, sometimes I'm, like, dude, shut up. Like, somebody turn this guy off. Do you and watch then, the show ever? 
So I don't watch the show, but I will watch his broadcast of sporting events. I'll, I'll say this from watching the show. It's interesting because I don't know. I want to say there's something like eight live mics on the show. He's I mean, there's so like many. A, he's got henchmen. Yeah. Henchmen, entourage. I was going to say entourage. He's got henchmen. I like it. No, but they're all and, like and he, bros. Like they're all like kind of jacked and they, they're always wearing like sunglasses or something. And they, and they are like these kind of like alpha male, but like kind of in a goofy way. <laughs> I don't know. It's honestly the dream job. It's the yeah. Dream well, job. It, it, you're alluding to it. I mean, I, I caught some of it. I didn't watch a, as much of it as you did, but he was at the, the Texas Oklahoma Red River shootout game. Coming to the SEC soon, which I love that. I love the yes. SEC jumping on that. That's part of their brand going yes. forward. Yes. Who were some of the celebrities he had come through on that? There was not a better. I guarantee you, like, for that game, there's certain contexts where I like a traditional broadcast and, and for it to feel more formal. For the that, that game was so chaotic and it was so just like purely college football. Um, anything could happen at any moment. It was just nuts. And having uh pat mcafee on the sideline interviewing trey young interviewing uh the top gun maverick dude hangman hangman Hangman. yeah hangman on there having matthew mcconaughey on the sideline and these guys are like genuinely first off i love the texas fan base and i always have and i watched georgia get whooped by texas one time and i walked away like wow i thought our fan base was intense these guys, same with Oklahoma. And I went to a game where Georgia beat Oklahoma, but I was really, really impressed. And when when SEC fans, when when those teams talked about moving to the SEC and were like, oh, they're not ready for the SEC, I was always like, oh, you go to one of their games. <laughs> they're ready. Those fans are ready. And uh, they'll get the programs ready. They've got the resources too. But yeah, seeing Pat McAfee for such a chaotic game, watching him and his henchmen, and then these celebrities who were genuinely into the game, like, genuinely hangman is is a texas football fan matthew mcconaughey football fan trey young oklahoma football fan these guys were fully engaged they were fired up there's a lot of there's there's a high t level mike on that on that a broadcast crew and it really kind of captures for college football it captures the passion and the enthusiasm of like a student section and and just the pure guys being dudes Hype. Uh, so I was like, it's growing on me. It's growing on me. Okay, so Oklahoma beats Texas. Okay, so Doug, it college football season has suddenly started to take shape for me. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting because the college football schedule season always seems to end up in almost exactly the same place where now I'm looking forward to Alabama playing Georgia right. for the SEC championship. Yeah. And the SEC talking about how they should get two teams in the playoffs. Well, you can, you can be a doubter, but if Georgia Alabama, loses that game, you best believe I'm I'm a two team fan. Alabama <laughs> has taken control of the SEC West. They are back to feeling, you know, the word of inevitable. Okay, Doug. So here's here's my take. From I'm an outsider, right? I come from the North, the Big Ten country, coming down to SEC land. I can imagine, and you tell me if I'm getting this wrong, I'm probably getting it sort of wrong, that Alabama fans are insufferable to watch a game with because they know they're always going to win. Oh, yeah. It's um, going to be down 10 points, and you know what? They're coming, and you can't stop them. It's and, a, it's and so a, they, 
it's, Go on. A, it's a movie they've seen before. It's like when you watch, for me, if I watch uh, a thriller, you know, where the, the protagonist has their back against the wall, but I've seen it mm-hmm. 600 times, you know, and so I know how it ends. So I'm not sitting there like really worried about the character. I'm just excited to watch him save the day, get the girl, get the, you know, all that. And Alabama football fans are like that. They watch the game as if it's scripted and as if mm-hmm. everything that happens is setting up an epic comeback or a blowout or a dagger for the other team. Or it's like the other team's getting hope and it's just setting up for us to just rip it out. They There's not like in their brains, they don't process at least up until recently. I don't think they processed like a realistic threat or we're going to win. And, by this. and now it's yeah, going to. When we come back, it's going to be really exciting, though. At least we have that. I would guess when Alabama loses, it's almost like, well, you know, you got to lose once in a while. You can't win all the time for the for the drama of college football to work. <laughs> you know, so we kind of see once in a while. It, it, it makes it look. It makes their season. We're willing to, you know, sacrifice our greatness for your, you know, to make to make your small time program season. I mean, it, it really does. Feel and then like, to now, give us some juice for next year when we play you guys, we got to have some. Now in contrast, Doug, Georgia fans are getting that I way. Like, are getting that way. And, well, but I also think that you guys have something inside of you that you could be up 24 to nothing. And it's like, but you know, you're going to give up a touchdown to end the, to end the second, to end the second quarter. You know, someone's right? going to get hurt. That's always my, my anxiety. You know, I think forty year the forty year drought, the forty year drought like there's this there's this doom generational trauma generational trauma there's this like impending doom in the minds of Georgia fans and a lot of people broke free of that when they finally won a championship but even in that game like Georgia Alabama a couple years ago because Alabama's this history of it always something works out and they're watching the game as if you know oh this will be fun we're bat we're down by six. Are we down by seven? We're going to score and go for two. Like, this will be fun. And Georgia fans are sitting there like, oh, no, we took the lead with, you know, 50 seconds left. Now it's going to be so painful when they when they score on a Hail Mary and we're never going to we're never going to live this down. Like, that's literally what people were saying. Like, I, I remember it pretty clearly. And Georgia fans were shocked. It was I mean, if you look like statistically, if you look, they probably had like a 70 percent chance of winning the game when Alabama was driving because they were up by eight. And. But in the minds of Georgia fans, they had like a 0.1% chance. And in the minds of Bama fans, you know, they might have technically have a 30 or 40% chance of winning. In their minds, they have a 95% or 99% chance. And so that play kind of changed everything for a lot of people. But it was like pounded into me for so long and into so many fans that, you know, something bad is always going to happen. And so there's always this anxiety when you go on the road and play Auburn and now it's close and it's like, oh no, it's happening. They're going to have some crazy miracle play and we're never going to hear the end of it. The surrender Cobra or something. What do they call this? The (laughs) surrender. You know, you, you see this, I mean, you saw this at uh, Texas A&M fans. It's like, there's, there's two moves, right? For the fan bases. It's like, it's this (laughs) or it's this, right? (laughs) Two, (laughs) two kind of key fan body languages and, I can't imagine it. And again, I'm, I'm overgeneralizing, but it doesn't seem like Alabama fans would ever do either of those. Um, because when they lose, they're in shock because they didn't they didn't previously process that it was a possibility that they would lose. And so it's a shocking experience, I think. 
And that's changing because they've, you know, like they didn't make the playoff last year and they didn't win it all two years ago. And on the flip side at Georgia, I've noticed Georgia's becoming Alabama in the sense in, in a way that I don't like. Like we everyone wants to become Alabama and be a team that's always in the in the running for championships and always winning championships. But no one wants to be that fan base that is miserable watching their team win every week. And I see unless it's a perfect performance, there are a lot of Georgia fans. And this has been the case for I used to I used to troll Alabama so hard for this because I would go I'd go to a game with friends and they'd beat some, you know, Murray State 53 to 6. And everyone in the stadium was completely disgruntled the entire game and saying, if we play like this against Clemson, you know, we're gonna if we play like this against Ohio State, we're gonna be in trouble. If we don't, you know, the quarterback can't read the field and you know, defense is giving up run game and you do that against a harder team. And, and and so to see the Georgia fan base start to do that, and I'm constantly reminding people like, you know, we should be enjoying this. And I think it is a, in sports, it's interesting because getting to the top is so fun when, like when it's happening, but once it's happened, it, it almost is like, it's not just diminishing returns. It's like a, a, a bell curve where the enjoyment just lessens the longer you sustain success or on top of the mountain. Well, you know, when you talk that way, I can't help but, you know, I, I, I listen as a kind of a professor and I listen as a fan and I will always, you know, lapse into being an Illinois fan. And part of me is like almost channeling that little kid, giving the finger back to you simply because – I'd enjoy feeling either of those. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm not complaining. I, I enjoy every week. I'm like, if if Georgia wins a game by one point against yeah. Murray State next week, I'll, I'll have a fun time. But but just a general observation of fandom is okay, that Doug. when you start winning, you get a little spoiled. College football playoff, pick your four. Right now, man, I keep changing it every week. I still, Mike, this is going to sound kind of nuts after this week. I still somehow think Texas slides in there. I it's something about this Texas team. I feel like they end. I think they get a rematch with Oklahoma in the Big Twelve Championship and beat them. So we'll put Texas maybe four. I'll put so Oregon and Washington play this week. Out of the Pac twelve, those are my two favorites. I don't. I'm not a huge believer in USC. Obviously not Colorado. I like Oregon though. I like Dan Lanning. I think Dan Lanning's next in line at Alabama. I, I hate. I'm gonna hate it when that happens, but I think he's for real. I like that team. So we'll go Oregon and Texas. You know the SEC. I don't think is great this year. I, I part of me thinks that Bama matches up really well against Georgia. Georgia's got a really favorable schedule. I would say statistically the more likely team at this point in the season. It'll only be interesting if Georgia either loses a regular season game to like Tennessee or Florida or or Missouri, or if Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship and you have two one loss teams out of the SEC, do they both make it? But we'll we'll say that doesn't happen. So I'll say Georgia, and then somebody's going to make it out of the out of the um, Big Ten. Big Ten, yeah. We got Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan all vying for that, and I'll, I'll say Michigan. So I'll say Michigan, okay. Michigan, Georgia, Texas, and Oregon. That's my that's my four right now. That's a very legitimate way of picking it. Yeah. I do not engage in sort of 
that kind of approach. <laughs> Georgia and Alabama. Um, Georgia loses to Alabama. You okay. can't win. You know what'll be the, what'll they be at about twenty eight victories before they get to Alabama. Twenty eight victories you can't in a win row. Every game they, forever. Yeah. yeah. Everyone, especially when you're not Al- that good. <laughs> you know, Alabama will be suddenly you know re- inevitably ticking up in in the polls. Oh yeah. You can't leave Georgia at home as a two time defending champ that's lost one, one game, game to a playoff team. Yeah. 30. Yeah. Then I'm gonna say you know. Ohio State or Michigan, kind of a pick'em thing. I'll go Ohio State. I, I think it's you know Harbaugh's. Uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't. I just I can't. I'm not a believer in Harbaugh. So it's like you know, I, I think some of the magic runs out, and then I think we get a little bit a little bit weird this year because I I I, I think you're probably right that Texas beats Oklahoma. So they both have one loss, and then they both potentially get left at home oh. because Florida State comes through in the ACC. <laughs> yeah, everyone kind of forgets about Florida State because we're so conditioned over the last few years to not even consider the ACC. But yeah. I mean, they've got they've got as good a shot of anyone right now at, at making it, and, and, and they've the got a signature win already over LSU. And my theory is the Pac-10 loses out because the, the the way the conference has sort of fallen apart, people just sort of dismiss them at the end of the year. Yeah, usually, too, you'll have like Utah will beat Oregon, and then Oregon will beat Washington, and then Washington will beat USC, and then USC will beat Utah, and, and they all kind of knock each other out most years, which is strange, but it keeps happening. I, I can't. I can't get, become a believer in USC from what I've seen on the defensive side of that uh, of, of that team. So it's, it's funny though. I've seen teams over the years like Auburn, the Cam Newton years. Their secondary was atrocious. I think they gave up over 300 receiving yards to like four different receivers. And granted, it was like Julio Jones, AJ Green. Arkansas had a guy that was super. I think Arkansas had two receivers that year that put up like 200 plus on Auburn. But their secondary was atrocious. And I remember all year being like. They're good. The quarterback's good. He might win the Heisman, but that's not a f- complete football team. Pe- people also forget the Joe Burrow LSU teams. Really bad defense for, for the majority of the season. They kind of put it together at the end, the majority of the season. And uh, part of me is like, I want to dismiss USC as well, but I feel like they could score. Like if they got in a game against Georgia, I feel like they could score points more so than like some other teams that Georgia's played. Like if you watch the tape, you'd be, you put together, okay, there's, there's four or five touchdowns right there. So can they can they make enough plays or can the other team self-destruct offensively? That's what it comes down to. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, I'm, I'm not betting on them because of that. Okay, we will. There's more to talk about, but we're about at the, at the hour mark, Doug. We got the WNBA finals going according to script and the WNBA now leaning into the fact that they scripted it. Uh, we've got Major League Baseball heating up an amazing game, a, an amazing double play by the Braves last night to even that series. October's the best month potentially yes. for, for sports. You know, the, the calendar yes. is full. Baseball is having its, you know, baseball is having its moments. There's the beginning of hockey, the NBA on the horizon. Yeah. And these football seasons starting to solidify. The best. As always, more content at fandomanalytics.com. 